Let's begin with a word of prayer today. Lord, we, we do lift uh, Sonia up to you. Lord, we're, we're, we're thankful for her and, and the Shermans. And uh, Lord, we just pray that uh, this uh, procedure that she's going to have will be uh, answer to, to prayer. Lord, we pray that it will uh, help take care of uh, some of the issues she's been having. Lord, we pray that you would be there for Ralph and for the family as they uh, go through the procedure this week. Lord, I, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this group of people, Lord, that we, we gather together, we lift one another up. Lord, we, we take care of each other, ultimately, Lord, because you take care of us all. Lord, we, we praise your name this morning. You, you are such a, a great God. We see the wonderful things that you do. We see the way you work in this world through the church. And we praise you, Lord. Lord, I pray this morning as we open your word that it would speak to us. Lord, I pray that, that the words that uh, would come from me would be your words. I pray, Lord, that, that, that the message would edify and build up those here. Be with us, Lord, as we, we turn to you and we look to hear from you. Thank you, Lord, for, for every person that's here today, and I pray that you would uh, lift them up and be with them as we, we go from this place after a little while. It is in the name of Jesus I pray these things. Amen. Well, I'd like to uh, begin this morning uh, by welcoming the little ones, of course, back to Children's Church. Uh, it's great. Everybody kind of knows that cue by now. I don't even have to say anything. Preachers get ready to talk. Oh, let's go. I'm glad it's just the, I'm just, it's just the short people, though. But I'd like to uh, actually begin this morning uh, with an old story. Uh, this is about a farmer who neighbored and attended a country church much like this one. Farmer's name was Mr. Jones. It seems that uh, Mr. Jones pulled up to the church building for Sunday service one week without first unloading the back of his truck, and he had some explaining to do afterwards. After the service, a little boy from the congregation named Johnny. Johnny saw the, the big load and asked of Mr. Jones, what have you got in that truck? I've got fertilizer, Mr. Jones replied. Oh, yeah? What are you going to do with it, the boy said. Put it on my strawberries, Mr. Jones answered. Well, you should come over to me and my daddy's house, Johnny said without a beat. We like to put sugar and whipped cream on ours. <laughs> I was that little boy. No. I'd like to apologize for that joke, but when a guy Googles country church food jokes, he's got to take what he can get. Since today's message is all about fasting, I figure there's no better way to start than with a joke involving fertilizer. Because maybe that's the kind of spiritual push we need in the right direction. I mean, let's face it, today's Western American church, we don't want to hear about fasting, do we? I mean, look at me, I certainly don't. At message time, I know I'd, I don't want to hear, I don't want to think about fasting. I want to hear about the cracker barrel that they're supposed to be building over here. We've been talking about that for three years. Where is it? 
And that's why I bring it up every once, you know, every six months or so. At this time in my day, I don't know about you, but my mind is zoning out. It's, it's, it really is. You know, it's zoning out of praise and worship. It's starting to do that. It's starting to, to zone into ham and potato casseroles and country fried steak and free refills. How about you? As noon approaches, my mind starts drifting out of spiritual disciplines. And I'm just being honest here. It's starting to drift toward those all-you-can-eat lunch buffets. And yet today, we're, we're still going to press on. We're still going to continue in the Sermon on the Mount, despite this, in Matthew 6, verses uh, 16 through 18. Because this is where Jesus, our Lord, God and Savior, not only assumes that we as his followers are still people who are interested in fasting, but it's also where Jesus expects us as his followers to be people who are interested in fasting, not just with our stomachs, but also from our hearts. I'm just curious this morning, uh, friends, are we people who as followers of Jesus consider ourselves on the fast track behind him? Do we, do we fast? Is it something we consider, or do we just consistently dismiss this spiritual discipline? You know, something maybe only relevant to people who lived thousands of years ago. I'm not saying to you, as you, as you sit there with stomachs anxiously awaiting uh, lunchtime, forget about today, no soup for you, no, you know, no cracker barrel. We've got a collection box in the entryway, you know that freezer full of ribeyes you have, you can just bring it in and sit right there. I'm not saying you have to give up your dinner today, but let's read on about what Jesus has to say about fasting this morning. We'll talk through what fasting is, what it isn't, how this time of fasting may, may be a blessing for you and for me as Christ followers. Let's read in our text here, Matthew 6, verses 16 to 18. Jesus says this, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will Reward you. Okay, that's the end of our text this morning. Now, from the sound of this text, it certainly, again, sounds like if we're Christ followers and we're not fasting, maybe we should be, right? Maybe we should consider it. Jesus doesn't, again, after all, say in verse 16, if you fast, do not look gloomy. Jesus doesn't say in verse 17, if you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. But Jesus instead uses this other word, W-H-E-N, when. When you fast, as if it's assumed by the one in which we follow that we're going to be spending at least part of our time following him, not at church potluck dinners. Now, I have nothing against following Jesus into church potluck dinners. I happen to think he's at all of them. This is the kind of fellowship where, truthfully, we're going to encounter Jesus in fellowship with one another. It's going to be delicious to boot. A fellow minister and good friend of mine likes to say that calories consumed in Christian fellowship don't count. And I agree with him. I think it's there in the book of second calories somewhere. 
And I'd like to believe that at least for some of these dinners, that's the absolute truth. I can't find a scripture for it, but we will. We hear so much about the early church, for example, in the second chapter of Acts. They broke bread together. They broke bread often together. We like to follow suit and break bread often together. But Jesus here also talks about when we fast. So this tells me there must also be times in which we're supposed to be on the fast track instead. So when we fast, Jesus says, but when do we fast? When does the Bible talk about Fasting. When do we see these patterns? One commentator notes that fasting patterns of early believers were often when these individuals were weighing an important decision which needed to be made. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, for example, we're told about the church. While they, the church, were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. We see it come into play again one chapter later in Acts 14, verse 23. Scripture says, And when they, again the church, had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they believed. Uh, Big decisions in the church. In this verse and certainly in other verses, as commentary goes on to note, we find the act of fasting hand in hand with the act of prayer. Luke 2.37 talks to the widow that, quote, did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting night and day. Luke 5.33 says something similar again about Jesus' disciples. And Jesus himself, led by the Holy Spirit, fasted before being tempted in the desert. 40 days, Matthew 4.1. Today, I think sometimes we, we, we fast as an emotional response to our circumstances, don't we? Sometimes we just fast. Perhaps life has, for example, thrown us a curveball. We, we just don't feel like eating. Maybe, you, maybe you've watched, uh, maybe in a movie, for example, two characters are talking. One has a serious issue weighing them down. Maybe they have a relative whose funeral they're planning, for example. The second character in the film will make a comment, I don't know, maybe about bacon cheeseburgers. And the first character will turn to the second and say, well, how can you think about eating at a time like this? This first character is obviously on a fast, even just uh, for a few hours or perhaps a day or two. They're emotionally preoccupied. This happens in real life, not just in movies. Sometimes it's just not appropriate to eat at the moment. Here's a different uh, example of this kind of fast. Maybe you've had or you've known of small children You've tried to tuck into bed at night, and it's not going so well. Somebody won't settle down for bed. They insist they're hungry. They want a sandwich. You know that this little one can't be hungry for a whole sandwich. It's not happening. And you've, you've responded to their request for a sandwich by saying, now, you know, now's not really the time to be eating. How can you have food on the brain right now? It's bedtime. It's time to fast. Maybe instead of a sandwich, you you get them some crackers or something, you know, to get them through until breakfast, until the breaking of the fast. So sometimes circumstances call for a fast. But when Jesus says in our text, when you fast, when Jesus refers to fasting, he's not referring to this kind of fast. He's not talking about fasting until breakfast. He's not referring to just a temporary loss of appetite. When Jesus says when you fast, he's referring to the spiritual discipline of fasting. 
And this is where God's people, and this is what I want you to take from this morning, willingly give up the physical to focus on the spiritual. Willingly give up the physical to focus on the spiritual. Maybe it involves abstaining, refraining from specific foods. Maybe entire meals. Maybe this is for part of a day. Perhaps it's for many days. We have, a, we have another word in our modern language referring to a similar concept, the diet. Dieting, however, refers to a physical activity, often for physical reasons, but fasting is different. Although fasting involves the physical, fasting refers to a spiritual activity we do for spiritual reasons. And there's a big difference between these two. When we focus on the spiritual, we take our attention off the physical. Lord wants us to remember that ultimately our lives are not dependent on food, but on him. And so this is why this morning perhaps we should consider getting on this fast track periodically. Perhaps this is something God's people should consider from time to time. You know, God's people have been fasting since our Old Testament days. Moses fasted for 40 days before the Lord in receiving the Ten Commandments, Exodus 34. Do you remember Hannah? Not my daughter. Hannah, from Scripture, Hannah fasted when she couldn't get pregnant. David fasted when he lost his infant son. In the pre-Christian, if you will, part of our Bibles, the Hebrew verb for fasting occurs 27 times. 27 times. As a noun, the word fast occurs an additional 26 times. It's in here a bunch. Often we'll see fasting accompanied by a period of intense worship. Sometimes leaders will declare a fast for the people. Jehoshaphat does this, 2 Chronicles uh, 20, verse 3. And you might also make a note of 1 Kings 21, Jeremiah 36, Ezra 8. God himself commands Israel to fast on the Day of Atonement, Leviticus 23. Interestingly enough, fasting wasn't unique to Israel. Scholars have noted the Canaanites, for example, fasted. But fasting always was a practice of God's people. Always was a practice of God's people. But the problem seems to be, and this is where Jesus is coming from this morning, the problem with God's people, the problem with us tends to be is we've always misunderstood fasting as we have so many other spiritual activities. That is, just like with public prayer, as we've talked about recently, just like with our giving, as we've recently discussed in the Sermon on the Mount, the purpose of fasting wasn't for us to stand out, to look spiritually superior to others. And we've misunderstood this over the years. The purpose was to draw closer to the Lord, closer in service to him. And God's people got this backwards in the Old Testament, too. Would you turn with me in your Bibles quickly? This isn't on the overhead, but it's in your Bibles. Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58, verse 5. The Lord declares through his prophet how his people were misinterpreting what fasting was all about. And this is long before Christ was born. Isaiah 58, 5. Is this the fast that I choose, a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? And the prophet continues. 
Is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? So as we see, while this short-term abstaining of physical sustenance, perhaps accompanied by wearing of sackcloth and so on, was always an option for God's people, always an option to express a hunger for their maker. Unfortunately, too often fasting, Old Testament and New, was an attempt used by the pseudo-religious to try to win spiritual brownie points with God. Unfortunately. So when Jesus says this in our text, putting it in the context of the whole thing, when Jesus says this again, read this with me. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. It's interesting. Jesus is merely repeating what these so-called scholars of the Hebrew Bible missed in the book of Isaiah the first time around. The teachers of this stuff, these teachers of the law, these Pharisees, as we've talked about from week to week to week in this sermon series, they may have been on the fast track physically, but they were going nowhere spiritually. Just as it was in the days of Isaiah, those that claimed they followed the Lord weren't fasting in humility. No, they wanted everybody to see how miserable they were when they skipped those carrying dinners. Spiritual show-offs. These Pharisees, these guys would actually take ashes from the fire and mangle their faces with them. Matthew 6, 16, so that it would stand out to others what they were doing. They fasted, but it was all for show. It was all for show. I'm reminded of the child. For some reason, uh, illustrations with children come you know, naturally to me throughout the week. I don't know why. This one, maybe not so much, but. I'm reminded of the child who, who doesn't want to get up and, and go to school of a morning. Have you ever known any, any kids like that? Maybe it's the same child who wanted a sandwich the night before. I don't know. This is all fiction, by the way, I promise. But think of the child who doesn't want to get up and go to school of a morning, and they're so desperate to let you know they're too sick to get on the bus. Have you, ever know, have, you ever, have you ever seen this play out before? You hear from the other room within moments, comments like, can't you hear me coughing my head off from my bedroom, Mom? You might not actually hear it, but it's expressed in so many words. You don't think I'm sick enough to stay home from school today? Let me cough a little louder. How many of you have, have known a little one to do this, you know? <coughs> Showing off that, that we're sick, you know, just to, just, just to get your attention. Or, or maybe, maybe you did it when you, when you were a child. Maybe it, this uh, brings back something for you. Maybe you'd even hold your breath a little to, to make your face look a little dis, discolored, make it look a little red. What's wrong with the child? They're, they're obviously too sick to go to school. Preacher, you're terrible. <laughs> Don't get any ideas, kids. But the best part about this whole I'm too sick to go to school facade is when the child suddenly finds out that, wait a minute, it's mom, it's Saturday. And then all of a sudden, the cough goes away. The cough disappears. Child's face returned to its normal color. It's a miracle. It's Saturday. Funny how this happens, right? 
But this is exactly what these teachers of the law, these hypocrites, as Jesus caused them, they're doing when they fasted. These guys would grab some ashes and disfigure their faces and, you know, maybe suck on a lemon or something so they'd get that pucker, you know. Shouting to the other pseudo-religious people, don't you think I look hungry enough to be spiritual? But it wasn't that they were truly practicing spiritual discipline. It was all for show. It was just to get your attention. And like we said about these guys that Jesus has been calling out, these Pharisees who tooted their own horn for praying loudly, giving conspicuously earlier verses 2 and 5, the reward of attention for their fake fasting was all they were going to get for these efforts. So it's like a parent might as well just say to a child, yes, you've got my attention for coughing loudly. I see in your efforts you, you managed to you know, knock a clock off the wall trying to skip school. Get up before you miss the bus. The thing is, you know, we, we call them a fast, but they really move along quite slowly. They don't go by very fast. The one who's truly on the fast track will be there slowly and silently, not drawing any attention to what they're doing. And so that's, that's what Jesus is getting at here. Anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others. Just like with any acts of worship, the Lord expects us to check our motives. Praying, our giving, our fasting. Check our motives before proceeding. Otherwise, my friends, it's just a waste of a slow fast. And just to clear up any uh, further confusion this morning, friends, let, let's talk a minute more about what fasting isn't in addition to being a sport for show-offs, of course. Number one, fasting isn't a condition for salvation. It isn't a condition for salvation. In fact, fasting isn't even a practice, although accepted and arguably expected by Jesus, fasting isn't even a practice commanded by Jesus. Let's not stress about this. When it comes to Christian living, Paul the Apostle, author of most of the New Testament, doesn't even specifically command fasting of a Christian in one verse, one time, in all of these books he's written to the New Testament church, other than perhaps a passing reference to abstaining in honor of the Lord in Romans 14, 6. Now, we do know Paul and the other saints fasted, 2 Corinthians 6, 4. But the implication for others in the church is that fasting is voluntary. This is voluntary. We, we do know from scriptural example time and time again that a fast is meant to be for a set period of time with a very clear purpose in mind. You might make a note of Daniel chapters 9 and 10. But when it comes to fasting today, brothers and sisters, we're not exactly told what when and for how long. The church is not, uh, for example, asked to fast on the first day of the week as we are asked to take up a collection in 1 Corinthians 16. The church is not asked to fast without ceasing as we are told to be people of prayer in 1 Thessalonians 5. And so maybe this is the reason why we don't actively study fasting much in our Bible groups or talk about it much from the pulpit. You know, it's kind of like the, the job description of a deacon. Fasting's kind of a slippery fish to get your paws around biblically. And so how you go about skinning this fish is going to be between you and your maker. Um, he's the one who gave you the fish in the first place or, or whatever you're eating at the moment. And this kind of brings us to our, our second additional point this morning we want to make on what fasting isn't. Fasting isn't purely about food. It's not purely about food, and praise the Lord for that, because I really like those potluck dinners. 
In the uh, 70s, uh, 1970s comedy film Sleeper, uh, Woody Allen's character is asked if he ever once took a serious political stand on anything. And Allen's character replies, yeah, sure. For 24 hours once, I refused to eat grapes. And we snicker. But I think this is, this is the image we, we sometimes have in our minds about fasting, don't we? It's like not eating grapes for 24 hours. We think of extreme fad diets, maybe, some of which are, are probably quite harmful for the body. Maybe we conjure up ideas in our mind about fasting, somehow going to turn us into John the Baptist, not in a good way. You know, we think, well, I'm not going to go a whole week in the desert with locusts and honey. That's something that monks do. I'm not going to give up my meat and potatoes. But here's some good news for you. You don't have to give up your, your meat and potatoes. Jesus isn't saying living on a head of cabbage a week gets you closer to heaven. Diabetics and others with dietary issues may take note that we do have other options. Uh, for example, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul suggests a concession, not a command. Married couples uh, fast from sexual activity for a set time to instead be focused on prayer in verse 5. And so again, we see the purpose of a fast is drawing away from the physical to focus on the spiritual. Drawing away from the physical to focus on the spiritual. And so maybe, maybe you're wondering this morning, well, what, what about me? What about me? How does this apply to me? Maybe you've, you've not given a lot of serious thought to fasting. Uh, maybe you're curious about this, how this could apply to you. Maybe you wonder, what, what would God have me draw away from to refocus on him? Well, the best way to get started in answering this question, my friend, is to go to God directly. James 1.5. Start there. Ask him. Pray about it. Since fasting is all about changing yourself for him, as one author writes, you might also ask yourself and be honest with yourself. What needs to change? What do I need to give up, at least temporarily in my life, for him? Me, what, what, what can I give up? What can I surrender in the short term, physically, that would benefit me long term? spiritually. And maybe it is a certain kind of food. You know, maybe, it's a, maybe it's an entire meal or, or a series of meals altogether. Several years ago at my uh, home church, First Christian in Warsaw, Indiana, we had what you might call a fasting campaign. It was called Lunch with God. Individuals during this fasting campaign were encouraged to take one lunch period a week, just one, just one, once a week, and instead of having that usual meal, you were encouraged to spend that time in a quiet place in prayer. Just you and God, having lunch with God. This, this uh, church-wide campaign uh, we were a part of, it was just for a few short weeks. But it was a real encouragement for those of us who needed a push for some quiet time with our maker to just accomplish that. I realize this kind of a fast isn't, isn't, isn't appropriate for everybody. Maybe instead of giving up a meal, maybe, maybe a, a fast appropriate for you would, would include giving up some of your, I don't know, maybe your scheduled TV time. Or maybe instead of, of giving up a meal, maybe a fast appropriate for you would include giving up some of your time spent, spent in the woods or spent out in the garage every week. Maybe there's a tough one. Maybe a fast for you would include giving up some of your time spent on Facebook. Ooh, there's a tougher one. 
Maybe giving up some of your phone time. Now you're killing me, preacher. Maybe a fast for you would include not going shopping for a few weeks, not spending on credit for a little while. Maybe putting down cigarettes for a few days. Sure, a fast can include something that's harmless, but why not consider something that's not? Here's a hint. Whenever we give up or break any habit, it starts out as a fast. Do you realize that? And it is entirely possible to give up all kinds of things, all kinds of habits and addictions by breaking your cycle with them and spending that time in prayer, spending that time with God. But whatever you and the Lord decide that you can give up, at least for a little while, I challenge you to give it a try. Pray on it. Think about it. Consider what you can put aside, brother, sister, from your physical life to benefit your spiritual one. You know, maybe it is smoking, or maybe, maybe it's hard drinks. Maybe it's soft drinks. This minister promises you from experience, good, bad, you never know what you'll find out you don't need until you put it down, until you put it down for a little while. You're not required as a Christ follower to get on the fast track, but the idea of fasting, my friends, is certainly food for thought. You know, I realize we're... we're we sometimes uh, pass this off, right? We, we like to pass it off as a tradition for somebody else, some other church, some other group. Maybe, maybe this time of year especially in which we see uh, some churches uh, celebrating Lent. It's easy to think, well, let's let those guys drive up the Leona's Friday fish sales. Fasting is their thing. Interestingly enough, I found this statistic this week. Uh, even the Friday meat fast that observed with, within the Catholic tradition, of course, was only practiced by uh, around 60% of adult Catholics within the last three years, statistically speaking. I thought that was interesting. So fasting as a spiritual pursuit is not popular, even within traditions that are known for it. But here's the thing also. It's also not intended to be mechanical. It's also not intended to be mechanical. As one Christian author writes, when friends need to be together, think about it. When friends need to get together, need to have time together, they will cancel all other activities in order to make it possible. If we love music and decide to miss a concert in order to spend time with God, that's fasting. So there's nothing magical about it. Fasting is just a way of telling God, my priority at the moment is to be alone with him. Sorting out whatever's necessary. We fast a lot, don't even think about it. You've canceled that meal, you've canceled that party, you've, con you've canceled that concert, TV time, whatever you had planned previously. And so brothers and sisters, spend some time in this, this week. You know, good or bad, whatever on earth you find yourself craving today, in the days to come, consider getting on the fast track behind Jesus. One thing's for sure, nothing will satisfy like the bread of life. Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord. We thank you, oh, Lord. You have made us and Lord, you've made us for you. And Lord, help us to remember that we're just visiting. 
We're strangers to this world. This is not our home. We were not made for anything here. We were made for you for eternity. Lord, we're here for just a, a short while. Lord, help us to take the steps we need to draw closer to you. There are so many things in this world, there's so many things in this place that can throw us, that can throw us off, can hinder us, can keep us from heading towards you. Lord, I pray that we would as we sang earlier, Lord, these ancient words, we would let them affect us in a way. That we would live by them. That they would really give us hope. God, you, you've blessed us so much in this life, in this land that we live. You've given us so many good things. Lord, help us to not mistake this place for our eternal home. Reveal to us, Lord, those things that we need to give up or that we can give up, even, even for a little while, to get our focus back on you. Lord, if we've given our hearts to, to the things of this world, help us, Lord, to surrender once more. We thank you, Lord, for once again your, your love, grace, and mercy. For an opportunity forever to be with the one who loved us first. Help us, Lord, to take whatever means are necessary to draw closer. It is in the name of Jesus Christ.